community. We like to belong. We like to be a part of things. I don't know if you've ever had an experience when you don't really belong very well with what's going on around you. I um, I remember a number of experiences where that's been true for me. One in particular, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the night service that I sometimes when we were in Ethiopia working as missionaries, used to go on trips for an extended period of time. Um, one of my roles was uh, training Bible teachers. Um, we had uh, some Bible schools down in the country, so about 200 Bible schools, and one of my jobs was to train the teachers. Um, and so sometimes it would take a, a six-week trip during the rainy season um, when we could actually go and train those teachers. I remember one of these trips, and I'd, we'd been on the road for, I don't know, three or four or five days without having a shower, and I was kind of sick of being in the car with myself. Um, and I'm sure that the other people were probably not very happy with it either. We, we ended up down in this little village somewhere, and I said, you got a shower? You know, I, I, need, to, I need to get clean. Um, and they said, sure, if you go down to that hut down there, there's a, there's a tap and there's a little shower head, and you can have yourself a shower. And I thought, great. Now, it was about, I don't know, probably between 13 and 15 degrees. It was pretty cold, and there was no hot water, of course. Um, but I had a little light, so I hung it up there, and it was dark everywhere else because there was no electricity. And um, no offense for the details, but I took my clothes off, and they sort of stood in the corner by themselves, and I had the clean ones over on the side, and I, I started to have oh, a shower. And I hear this, <laughs> this little giggle. And I look around, and it's just dark, and I can't see anything, so I'm having a shower. And <laughs> And more people join in. So I bend down and have a little look. The whole side of all the way around is slats of wood, which I hadn't noticed in the dark. And there's all these eyes. All the kids from the village had come to watch this, this guy have a bath. I figured they've seen it, so I might as well go for a shower. So I finished my shower. Everyone was just around. And the next morning when I went, I went to have a cup of tea in the village and surrounded by about 200 kids who I knew reasonably well. Uh, but just mobbed and even down to the teenagers. And uh, the thing was, you see, I was the first white guy that had been there for probably 10, 12 years. And everyone wanted to have, look, I just didn't fit in. Now, it was one of those situations. I just felt out of it. Now, it, it wasn't my uh, height, because there were some guys who were like this tall as me. Uh, it wasn't my excessively muscular build, because there were other wealthy people around there who ate too much. Um, there were people with beards, there were other guys around, so it wasn't my gym. It was this. It was the colour of my skin. And, uh, you know, they wanted to touch me, they wanted to stroke my hand, they wanted to try and feel all of this sort of stuff. I was different, I, I didn't fit in. And it was, it was a weird situation. I mean, I've lived in Africa, so I, I didn't really feel uncomfortable being the only white guy, but just the attention. People don't belong with me when Because all of us really do want to belong. We, we want to be individuals. We want to be separate. We want to be unique. But we also want to be a part of a group of people. That's, that's why families are so And 
Peter, the apostle, is writing to a group of people who were feeling alienated because they had come to Christ. It had, it had divided them from their families. It had divided them even within their families. It had divided them from their workplaces. Sometimes the, the servant could no longer do certain things the master wanted because it was against his faith. Um, wives couldn't go and keep the fire of the, of the ancestor worship. There were all sorts of things that were causing a breakdown and people were feeling, in many ways, alone. And Peter writes and he says, you need to understand you are, as a believer in Jesus, now formed into a place where you belong, a community. And, and that community is, is important, especially, and God has put you there, especially and purposefully. And you need to understand that. Now we as a church are going through this series on grace and we're up to see which is community because we desire as, as a church to understand and to be that community and to hear more about it. Last week um, Daryl spoke about being a part of the vine and in the evening last Sunday night Josh spoke about being a part of the body. These are, are pictures that the Bible gives us to help us to understand where it is we belong and how we belong. Tonight, Daryl will be talking about being a flock, being a part of the flock of God where Christ is our shepherd. We've got this passage from 1 Peter where Peter is saying to the people, you are living stones, you've been built into a house, and he's going to go on to say you're a nation now. You have an identity. Now, I just want to talk about a couple of things about that. First is, what sets us in and puts us into that community? And then, What's special about that? And then lastly, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to be a community? Firstly, as read through the passage, you would have noticed that what sets us apart is how we respond to the cornerstone of the building, which is Christ. Now, some versions it'll say capstone, some versions it'll say cornerstone. Really, if you read the stuff, it's basically saying the most important stone, the stone on which everything else has its, its angles. I don't know if you've ever built a building, um, um, I built a few walls, built a few buildings, um, not in Australia because they were never to code, but you've got to get everything straight. I remember I'd, I'd set some of the workers um, at the school I was at to building a wall, and they had done probably about 40 metres of it, and I walked out and I said, it's not straight. And they looked at me and said, what do you mean it's not straight? I said, it's not straight. And they said, what do you expect us to do? I said, take it down. I said, what do you mean take it down? It's 40 minutes. Like, eh. That's all right. <laughs> I'll still pay you. Just take it down and do it again. And they said, well, how much is it out by? I said, yeah. They said, what do you mean it's out by that much? I said, do you want to talk to him? You want to talk to him? It's out by that much. They didn't believe me. We had to find it out. <laughs> so we took it down and did it again. Why? Because it had to be firm. It had to be straight. We wanted all the stresses and things to be there. And Christ is the cornerstone. And it's how we respond to Christ that says whether or not we are in the building, in the community, outside. For many of us here, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We've understood that God loves us. And he wants to be in a relationship with us. And he sent Christ, as we remember that, that we might be in that relationship with him, that we might be accepted as his children. And that sets us apart 
message of the gospel. And they reject this foolishness. Now, in the time in which Peter is writing, he calls it a stumbling block. We've remembered the, the suffering of Christ, the humiliation of Christ. Crucifixion was an awful way to die, but one of the things that people talk about is it was a humiliating way to die. Dignity was gone. And so when people said you're worshipping and following someone who's been crucified, you're saying, have you had no pride? The one you worship has been humiliated in such a way. The Christian says, he died to save me. I love him. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. The non-Christian says, that's just foolishness. And so Peter says, Christ is the one who saved So, those who love Christ are being built up into this new community, a place where they belong. Now, that doesn't mean that they lose their family, doesn't mean they lose their nation, doesn't mean they lose their clan, their tribe, their language. But this becomes, our relationship with Christ becomes our most important identity, is what Peter's talking about. That all the other things where we might become alienated, we cannot become alienated from Christ, because we are being merged into, being made into a holy temple. And that's the community. Now there are those who reject Christ who are outside the community. So, the identity is for those who have come to Christ and accepted Christ. What's special about that identity? What's, what's amazing about well, there are a whole range of things. I just really want to pick two of them. The first of them is that the scriptures say clearly in this passage that those who are in that community take heart. God has chosen you. You're amazingly special. God has called you in terms of the, the flock imagery. We've been grafted in in terms of the plant type imagery. We're a part of his body, precious to him. He is a part of the body of the tree. But here, as you become a living stone being built into his temple, and you're chosen for that purpose, God wants you. Now, we understand that in an individualistic way often, which I've been chosen by God, he loves me. But in the imagery that Paul's talking about, he's talking about a community built into him, he's saying you're the chosen one. You've been built into a nation, a separate group of people in identity, and God has chosen you. As saying to me, as I look out about a whole group of people, to understand that what Peter is saying is God has chosen us for his purpose in this place. But not only are we chosen, but we're precious. The word that, that was used in terms of being a, a God's special possession, God's precious possession, is a uh, used in the Old Testament is translated into Greek, into the Septuagint, of that passage in Second Chronicles. Um, it's the same word that's used where King David, just before he dies, he's going to build, uh, he's going to, he wanted to build a temple to God, but he, he was not allowed to by God, so Solomon, his son, is going to build a temple. And, and David makes a declaration towards the end of his life, and he says, I have put aside money in the budget from our national treasures to go into building a temple towards God. 
which is quite right that he do so. But then he says, and also, out of my special treasure, out of my possession, out of what I have in my account, I I'm also putting that into building the temple. That's the word that's used, that special possession. And God says, you, when you become a part of this new community, are a special possession. I don't have too many special possessions. I, I just want to share with you one of them so you get the sort of idea. Um, when I was born, on the day, in fact, that I was born, my father went out and bought a teddy bear to put beside me. And I loved my bear. Um, loved past tense here. Um, I, I was 19, it still sat on the bed next to me, but then I got married. And um, I brought it with me. And Because guys, we get fairly hot and sweaty during the night, so you, know, you have a snuggle, and then my wife gets sleep on several sides of the bed, but then I cut on my teddy bear, because it doesn't care. Because I still had my bear with me for a couple of years, being married. It was special to me. I, I loved it. Anyways, I got home from work one day. I was off teaching at school, and uh, Sylvia met me at the door. And, uh, she said, you know your bear? I said, yeah. So, getting a bit dirty, really. Um, you know, because it's near you all the time. It's sweaty. A number of years. Well, the hair had gone off it. I chewed it throughout my lifetime. It was, it was an old thing. Loved, loved, loved old thing. Precious, precious. I said, yeah. And she said, well, um, I washed it. I said, you hand washed it, right? She goes, no. No, no, I put it in the washing machine. Now, we didn't have one of these nice, gentle front loaders that delicate wash. So I said, where's the bed? He said, it's in the bucket. My precious possession was now half a bucket to a bucket full of fluff. Wet, soggy fluff. I think I kept it for a little while. Um, but in the end, it's gone. I love my bed. You know, it sounds really stupid, doesn't it? A 21-year-old being really sad because his bear's dead. I think someone after the first service told Sylvia she was a bear murderer. That's kind of how I felt on that day. But this is kind of the picture that's there where God says, you're my precious possession. You're special to me. For a group of people who are being alienated from everything around them that gives them their identity, the maker of the universe comes and says, you're my special possession. I chose you. I want you. I love you. And he says, this is to give you your identity. Not just individually, but corporately, as a group of people, as a community. Chosen by God, loved by God, a special possession. And the imagery is that God then takes us, this special possession, chosen by him, loved by him, and forms us into a community for a purpose. 
Now, we read in Scripture lots of purposes. But this passage says one of those things, which I think sometimes is misunderstood, but is vital to our life together as a community. Back in verse 5, it says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be what? A holy priesthood. And then down in verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are formed together into a community, and Peter brings out the fact that one of the, the reasons for God to form us into this community is that we might act as priests. Now, the priesthood of all believers is something that people say comes from this verse, and in many ways that it does, which is one of the, the hallmarks, if you like, of the Reformation, where there was this statement sort of in the time of Luther and Calvin and those guys that we don't need, and it's taught clearly in Scripture, we don't need some person to be the mediator between us and God. And often in, in churches, when we talk about the priesthood of, of all believers, we have this idea, which is a true idea, that every single individual has access to God. We can bring our prayers to him because of what Jesus Christ has done. We can learn from him. We ourselves can go to the scriptures to read them. The Holy Spirit dwells within us and guides us into the truth. And there's this idea that comes in that, that we as, as individuals have this right of access to God. We don't need anybody in between. We don't need someone called priest, bishop. We don't need someone called pastor, senior pastor. We, we don't need this to come between us and God. It's one of the reasons, say, for example, in Baptist, Baptist circles, we have what's called congregational government. This is where we say that together, all of us who know Christ Jesus, who come together, who say, I identify with this community in this place, and that identification we often call membership, right, because it becomes a much more formal thing. I identify with it. This group of people, all having access to God and God's directions, can work on the direction of the church. And when issues come up together, each of us, whether we've been a Christian for 60 years or for 60 seconds, can read the scriptures, can pray, can ask God's direction and guidance. And so corporately, we can work together in that sort of governance. Is, you know, and it's, it's part, if you like, of this priesthood that we have on an individual level, our relationship, our access to God. Now, just an aside, this is one of the reasons that I think it's important to say, for example, we have members' meetings. Now, I know that some of you are members, and I know some of you are members and haven't been to a members' meeting for a while, which is, to me, a concern, because if we're members, then we have access to God, we're part of this community, and we are to function as, if you like, priests. So that knowing God, we can discern His will, and together we act to do direction in the church. Now I mentioned the morning service, that normally at a, at a members meeting, we get 60 or so. But there are over 300 members. So I'm hoping that we can just lay out all the chairs in the coming one on the 17th of June that we can get there. Because we're all to have this responsibility of being priests, if you will. 
And in many ways, this priesthood of believers has been narrowed down in the way that people think to mean this. I individually can come in access. But back when the whole terminology was going, and back at the Reformation time, the reformers, I think, had a much more biblical view of this understanding of the priesthood of the believers. So, for example, Luther, who was one of the first reformers, he had this to say about each of us being a part of a nation of priests. He said this, well, this is one of his interpreters has written this about him. Luther never understands the priesthood of all believers merely in the sense of the Christian's freedom to stand in a direct relationship to God without a human mediator. That's the way we see it. Every single one who's a Christian who comes into a relationship with Christ Jesus can stand before God without a human mediator because we have Christ Jesus where his children become free. Rather, he constantly emphasizes the Christian's evangelical authority to come before God on behalf of the brethren and also of the world. The universal priesthood expresses not religious individualism, but its exact opposite, the reality of the congregation as a community. If we're going to talk about the fact that we're all priests, it's not just that we have access to God, but also we have a part of that role of being someone who takes concerns to God on behalf of other people and brings the word of God on behalf of God to other people. And in particular, we have that responsibility within the community of faith. We are to act that way for each other, to pray for one another, to bring our prayers for each other to God. And one of the things we talked about being receptive people and being genuine people is to bring the Word of God and share it in people's lives, to take that role and share that with other people. Every single person who's a Christian here has this role of being a priest in that sense, to be someone who can bring God's Word to people to bring people's concerns to you. And there are other responsibilities that come out here for our priest's responsibility. But that's one of them. And you know, I don't know, every now and then I get people bring me up and sort of say, this is the situation on my heart. Can you pray for me? What are they asking for? It's not that they don't know that they can come and pray for God on their own. They know they can. They have access to this individual. But they, as a part of a community, want to be having help and sharing encouragement by having me or other people pray for them. If you're a part of the prayer chain here, you know that needs go out and we say, can you pray for us in this area? Sometimes I had a phone call even last night. Someone rings up and says, yeah, I'm going to the city. Yeah, we're really, we're really forgiven. I've done this and I've asked God to forgive me. Am I, am I really forgiven? And being able to say, and again, that role, knowing if you ask God to forgive you, then his word says very clearly, you can take comfort and joy in that. In many ways, that's a priestly function that we do. Paul uses the words to encourage and equip one another. Peter says here, you're priests together, a nation of priests. So that's one of the responsibilities we have. 
Another responsibility we have corporately that we talk about in, in this passage is the offering of sacrifice. And particularly it talks about the offering of the sacrifice of praise. One of the things that priests did is they worshipped. They came before God and they told God how absolutely wonderful he is. Now we can do that individually, but we're a nation, a community of priests. We're called upon to do that together, before each other, and as a group of people praising God. One of the things that often concerns me is when people, for one reason or another, miss that first part of the service. You know that bit when we sing together? that praise bit they kind of think I don't know why I'm not sure what people think but it's almost as if we've got the important bit which is the preaching and I have to let you know preaching definitely Um, it's a part of the worship that we do to hear what God has to say but as a kingdom as a group as a house of God as priests before God we want to come and worship him that that first 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, depending on how long it goes, isn't there just to give everybody time to get to church. That's that's what we come to do. We come to say to God, you're fantastic. You're wonderful. You've done this for us. We love you. We adore you. We hear your word. That's not crazy. That's what we're called to do. That's what priests do. We So, we're called upon, we're set apart to be a special people, priests, with the function of offering praise to with the function of being to each other, a representative, if you like, of God's love and grace, and being able to do that for one another. But it goes on to say that that's part of our function to the world. As a, as a separate group of people, part of our function as priests is to go out and share with others. And what do we do as priests when we go and share? We share the praise of God. It talks about a number of ways we do it by the different lifestyle. We need to know that when we go out, we go out with the main part of our identity being we're a follower of Jesus. We're one of the, those that he has set aside specifically for the purpose of worshipping him and declaring his praise. How do we do that? We do that by living the sort of life which exemplifies that we're his. On the whole, I suppose one of the things scriptures talk about is that we need to love like he loved us. If he loves us, we need to do this and to love. And it declares to each other and it declares to the world, this is who we are. Now, because often the message gets blurred. I know that when I was in the Sudan, being white, everyone thought that I was American. And sometimes you had to wear your Akubra to let them know not American. And they always used to say Texan. They used to say Ruhead or Rabbit Head or whatever it was. Australian. And it was confusing sometimes. I remember once I was in the, the barber shop and the guy's doing the straight braids on me. And he gets to about here. And he says, I hate Americans. Any Americans here? Apologies, love you. 
uh, <laughs> saving my life. Um, we, we get confused because sometimes we can act like other people, but pretty much if we're consistent in the lifestyle of the people will In fact, Jesus says that the world's going to know you belong to him by the way that you love one another. And the way that Peter goes on to say, yeah, the way that you love them. Just an ex- uh, a story from this week. I was down, uh, I think it was Friday night, rang up home and said we want to eat and it was kind of Nando's time so Nando's is great I'm not pushing anything plugging anything and we've already had Woolies plug. Um, but Nando's is great because half the chicken is only 500 calories it's like bonus so I, I rock up to the shop and there's not too many there it's raining and uh, there's this guy serving and I give my order for chicken and I say how's it going with you and he just looks like with you. And I'm interested. Be careful. He says, well, are you serious? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm 27. And he said, life's not going so great. I'm not feeling good in myself. I said, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And he goes on for five minutes telling me about his life and how he's feeling. And at the end I said, well, because there's no other customers, is there anything I can do? He says, no, you don't. He said, I'm just, it's just so good to have someone listen to me. I said, I said, so you're a believer, are you? He says, no. I said, well, funny thing. <laughs> I said, I am. I believe. I believe in you. Know, it's part of what you know, we do really care about you. And we just get to have that conversation. Because what pretty much Peter is saying is, is you've got that identity and you go and you live as God's priest is representing You declare his praise for us. Not just in your actions, but in all that you do. So if I can commend to you this morning those those few points. First, if you if you know Christ, you have an identity. A special identity. Chosen, love, precious. If you don't know him, if you reject him, then he loves you, he wants you, but he says, to be mine, to be mine, you need to come through Christ Jesus. Because this group of people in that position are my children. I love them. And I'm building them up to be something for me. A community of people who look like me. And I want them to be my priests. So let me encourage you, you have that job if you're a Christian person, to be a priest. Not out there wearing the dog collar, but bringing your fellow believers before the Lord, bringing the world before the Lord, and on their behalf, asking that God bless them. Taking the word of God and sharing it with your one another, encouraging one another, serving one another. And then taking our praise and offering it to God and offering it to the world around us. This is what we're called to be. And I pray and we pray together that this is what we will be as a church. Loving each other, caring for one another. Next week we're going on to E. Encouragement. We want to be a community that operates in this way so that we can become a place 
where people feel safe, they feel they belong, they feel that this is where they should be, they feel that they're they're accepted, that they're known. We want to be that sort of community, and that's what God calls us to, and He calls us to be this holy nation that He's building us up to. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love me. Father, more, I thank you that you love us. That you have brought us together and you're molding us together to be your group of people in this place called the church. You're building us up to be a group of people who operate as your priests. Jesus, our high priest, through whom each of us individually have access to you, but that we might bear one another's burdens, that we might pray for one another, and that together we might worship you and declare your praises to a lost and a broken world. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord.